think you can, you're right. And if you think you can't, you're also right. Ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in because this is going to be a wild ride. Welcome to Talking With Myself, a bi-weekly controversial podcast that questions everything about societal norms. With your host, Fabian Patterson, a strong-willed kid, a psychology student, a personal trainer, and life's perfect example. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And children of all ages, welcome to another episode of Talking With Myself. My name is Fabian, and I am your host, here to question the unquestionable, challenge the norm, and charge you with the task of taking control of your own destiny. Today's topic, we're diving into how to fix inequality in America. Does racism exist? This is a big topic. But before we get into it, I want to start off with a story. Um... I want to start off with a story uh, that I had a few weeks ago. Well, basically, what someone told me a few weeks ago. Um, a few weeks ago, um, we were having a conversation on um, racism and inequality and just all the stuff that's been happening in our beautiful country. And this individual looked at me and said, I... I don't understand or I wouldn't understand racism and inequality and slavery in America because I'm not American or I'm not from America. And also, in addition, I live in Hawaii where everything is, you know, hunky-dory and everything's all nice and island-kind type things. But I think it's... it's um, it, It's kind of wild to think that I wouldn't understand racism. I mean, for her to say that, um, I mean, I mean, you look at me until I'm black, but um, apparently not. But it's crazy how she thinks that I wouldn't understand racism and inequality and slavery in America, slavery of all things. Because here's the truth. I'm not from America. I was born and raised in Jamaica. Now, if you don't know much about Jamaica, here's a bit of history. Right, the first inhabitants in Jamaica before it was invaded um, were Arawak Indians. They were peaceful people, believed in the land, lived off the land, took care of each other. They were supporters for each other. Very, very peaceful people. They believed in hunting and gathering, just like normal civilization, right? Just like our um, our predecessors. And then, in the 1450s, Columbus came. And uh, needless to say, we all know what happens wherever he goes. right? He brought with him violence, and he brought diseases, and he tricked the Indians that were there. And most of them died. Not all of them. But a lot of them died. And so a few years passed. But here, going back or tying this into the original um, story, was that, is that... In the 1600s, it was when the first slaves were brought to Jamaica because Jamaica's soil is rich for sugarcane, right? So we had, they had the sugar plantations. And in the 1600s was when the first slave ship docked in Jamaica. And for the next couple hundred years, 
Jamaicans, Indians, and everyone that was brought there were enslaved, right? They were enslaved all the way up until 1834. That's when slavery ended. Not, and that's not that far off from American history, if you know American history, right? Because if I remember correctly, slavery kind of ended somewhere around the 1836, I think 1836 is when slavery ended in America. But even though slavery ended, black or people of color weren't necessarily free, right? Because in America, you still had segregation, right? In uh, South Africa, you had apartheid. In Jamaica, you had, uh, were still under Great Britain. Jamaica was still under Great Britain. So we weren't, Jamaicans weren't free. And it wasn't until 1962 when Jamaica actually finally got its independence or gained its independence um, from Great Britain. But before that, it was, it was all slavery. And not just African slaves, but there were an undocumented number of different races of people that was brought to Jamaica to be slaves or brought to Jamaica as slaves, right? And then over time, all those people became one. They started um, interracial uh, relationships and became one so much that the Jamaican, the country's motto of Jamaica is out of many one people. So with that bit of history, I think it's absurd for her or anyone to tell me that I don't understand slavery or understand what African-Americans are the ancestors of African-Americans have been through. My ancestors. That's absurd. <laughs> In addition to that, not only am I Jamaican, I'm also an American citizen. And I came here halfway through my teenage life. Um, so I spent quite a bit of time in American school system. And I was spent a, quite a bit of time uh, being raised in, in a regular American um, societal community, if you say, in a underprivileged community. And um, from that, I joined the military the United States military, where I served numerous years traveling the world so, and serving in um, several combat tours protecting this country um, and the rights that um, this country has and the people has. And also, in addition to that, I've lived almost in every single state on the East Coast, meaning that I've experienced the culture, the people, and the way of life in all these different states on the East Coast. I've traveled to just about every single state on the East Coast in between all those states. And I've also visited states on the West Coast. And not so, but not so much the Midwest, but I've visited all those states. And from all of that, I could tell you two things that I've learned from all of that is... One, well, there's several things I can actually tell you, um, but let's start with the first one is that I believe that I have enough 
history of this country and enough experience in this country and enough understanding of slavery, inequality, race to have a, a discussion or an opinion on the issues that are happening in our society today or more so in our country today. Second, I will say that um, having been all over the East Coast, I'm not going to say all over the country. I mean, I did take a trip from, the, from northern New York to Washington road trip. But having visited all these states and having lived in all these states, I want to say that me personally, I've never experienced racism face front, right? And we're talking about the face value of racism, right? Just blatant in your face racism. I've never experienced it. Now, I've experienced micro racism in many different parts of the country and in many different states. But micro racism is a different form of racism from face value racism. So when I say face value racism, I want you to understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the um, Ku Klux Klan type of racism, the um, what people would see uh, as the backwards country type racism, for lack of better terminology, that's what's been used, um, or some form of neo-Renaissance type racism. I have yet to see any of that. I, however, on the same spectrum, is not saying that doesn't exist because I have seen um, instances in documentaries and um, read series of articles where this stuff does exist in America. But does it exist as how it's being played out um, on the national scene or on mainstream? It's hard for me to believe that it does have been visited in so many different states in this country. So with that, I would, I would say that in no way, shape, or form am I saying that racism does not exist because that would just be absurd. That would be ridiculous and untrue for me to say that because it does, because I've experienced micro-racism and I've seen some of the things that have been put in place um, that exhibit uh, race uh, biases. And also, in that token, inequality exists because if racism exists, then inequality for sure is going to exist because you can't have racism and have equality. <laughs> I, you can't have one without the other, I don't think, when it comes on to, to race and equality. If you're going to have race, if there's, if there's racism, there's going to be inequality. So it does, right? And the inequality that exists, I believe, is also different from what the mainstream uh, media would like to put it or how it's been uh, portrayed on the mainstream, right? Same thing with racism. 
here's an example and I'm just using this as an example take um, the murder of Floyd George Floyd I believe that was inhumane and on so many levels and and I mean it should just never happen should never happen no no one ever should should have to go through that let alone die that way however comma I believe this is my belief I believe that if it was a white person that was um, in that situation I don't think a video would have been released on the mainstream media let alone gotten so much traction um, right that's just my belief because given our society I have never seen a video posted of something of that nature happening to a white person and it's difficult for me to believe that it doesn't happen it's difficult for me to believe that there's just this large target specifically and only on African Americans by the police department that that is the only inequality that's existing in our society against African American because if you look at the bigger picture, it isn't. I think that that is the least of our problems as the African American community is concerned. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully because I don't want you to take this out of context and thinking that I'm saying that it is not a problem. It is a problem because... Um, black people or people of color is targeted by the judicial system and they are targeted by the by law enforcement I mean here's an example um, when drugs became a thing which there's another there's a whole other um, conspiracy conspiracy as to why the black community has such a high rate of um, drug uses but we won't get into that but when the drugs was released into the communities um, police precincts and um, jail cells were populated or filled with black people or people of color more than any other race and does does that goes to say that more black people are using black people are using more drugs than white people i don't believe that's the case it's just that black people are targeted for that and i also believe that it was placed in the community for that reason as another form of control and separation and inequality right solidifying those things to make sure that I in a sense another um, instilling another form of oppression so that's an example of police targeting and inequality in the judicial system 
do I believe that one cop that pressed his neck on another human being's neck for eight minutes was just a straight-up racist cop who just does that to just black people or people of color? I don't believe that. I believe that he is a narcissist and he's a person who's a tyrant and feels that because he holds a badge, he has the power and the authority to do whatever he wants. And I believe that he's done that before to other people. This one's just so happened to get caught on camera in public to a black person. And that, now that becomes fuel for a race fight or a race war or race um, divide. That's my take on that. To follow that up, I would like to say that um, I believe that as a black person, a black man, I believe that as a race, I think we need to evaluate how we go about seeking justice um, for people who have been who have had injustice done to them, right? Take the same instance, say, say, take the same case, for instance. It's hard to bring myself to having this case be the case that represents the, the large inequality that's happening in or against us black people because it's not like Mr. Floyd was an upstanding citizen, right? And there's the argument well, that his past shouldn't determine his future. But let's flip that and say it was someone who was an upstanding citizen who was just in a wrong place saying it was you. You listening right now. Say it was you. Right? You've played by the rules. You've done everything. Right? And now something bad happened to you. I think standing up for that is injustice. Right? I, I, I think standing up for that and using that as a lead to inequality is injustice because you did everything correctly. You were just in living your life. My take. I believe that as a, as a non-white non community, as a black community, the cries for justice, I think, has been placed in a wrong direction because the cries that we are that I'm hearing for justice are cries for justice for people who weren't just. They were caught um, because they were breaking the law. They were doing things that were illegal. And I believe that even though as a society we might not agree with all the laws and rules that is placed by the government to govern us, it still doesn't mean that we should go around doing everything that we, or the things that we think we should do. And then the consequences shouldn't be applied. My thought, my opinion. 
Um, so I believe there's this, this phrase in the country that I'm from, and it's probably worldwide, but it says, if you live by the gun, you shall die by the gun. So that's my take. <sighs> so moving more into where I think the paramount, our paramount efforts needs to be as far as racism and inequality is concerned, I believe that it needs to be directed towards the systems and it needs to be directed towards our community and ourselves and how we apply ourselves to this society that looks at us as if we are just something else. Meaning, I believe that in order for us to address the, the standards or the parameters of inequality that's been placed, we have to first start with ourselves and stepping out of certain things that was placed um, or applied um, towards us or to us. What I mean basically is things that we can do to help ourselves from being um, categorized as a people of lesser value because we aren't. So I think one of the first things we could do is educate our children, educate them on history, their history, our history, teach them to love, love each other, teach them to love themselves, right? We shouldn't have or we shouldn't allow our kids to go around feeling that the way they look and the way they feel and the way that they see themselves is less than what they are, right? Teach them ambition. Teach them to, to excel and to reach for the stars and to go for anything that they believe they want or dream that they can do. Support each other. We need to support each other in our communities, in our jobs, in our lives, in our relationships. We need to break down some of the stereotypes of um, not communicating in our relationships, not talking about certain things because they're taboo and because this is just, just culture. Choose not to live in accordance with the stereotypes that has been given to us, the stereotypes that we can only be entertainers or we can only be athletes or we dress thuggish or we're thugs or we're, we're ghetto, we live in the slums and we talk um, less educated. Get rid of those stereotypes. Live outside of those stereotypes. Change our mindsets. Again, change our mindsets from thinking that the only thing that our, our children can grow up to be are entertainers and athletes. Right? Our kids should never have the one goal in mind that they're going to grow up to be a rapper or to be a singer or to be the next Michael Jordan. There's so many things that they can do and that they can be and that they can excel in. 
change the mindset of thinking that all we can do and all we can be are labor workers, that we can only go work for the, the major companies or major corporations because we don't have what it takes to be our own um, bosses. These are some of the things that we need to work on that we can change personally that's going to help us develop and rise above the stereotypes and some of the inequality that's out there that's been put in place for us. Also, I think this is this is a big, a big thing for me. Like a big thing for me, and it's a big thing that I, I, I teach to my daughter. Like, never forget about slavery. Talk about it. Teach your kids. Teach them. Tell them what happened. Tell them about segregation. Teach them how our ancestors fought for our rights and what they did so that we can live in the society that we're living in today and ride the same buses and buy the same cars and regardless of limitations, attend the same colleges as the white kid next door. Teach them all about that, but teach them to love everyone so that that generation can move forward together as one versus moving forward still separated like our generation is now. Then outside of the things that we can work on, we need to look at systemic changes, right? Things that needs to happen with all these systems that were put in place to limit or to be gatekeepers to people of color, right? Even though segregation ended in the 1950s, um, it's still happening now, right? If you look at community zoning that's happening with the housing system, right? That's another way and another, another form of segregation. If you go to certain places or certain cities, especially in Chicago, um, there are still communities where it's 90% black people who live there. There's no white people. And then because of that, the housing value is just really low. So no one's ever moving in there. And that, that community is never, ever going to, to rise above the poverty level. So, and it's just not Chicago. I mean, just all over the country, there's places like that, right? Where you go to certain communities and it's predominantly white people living there. And the community's thriving. And the reason why black people aren't living there is not because they're not technically welcomed, but... It's the fact that the, the economy or the cost of living for that community is so high that a black person who's a labor worker won't be able to afford that. So we can't blame that on racism. We can blame it on inequality, but a different form of equality, inequality because it's not the white person that's living in that neighborhood that's saying, you can't live there. I mean, maybe micro-racism, but not base value. But it's the system that's preventing you from living there because of the things that are limiting you from moving to getting to where you need to go to. And you have the power to change that, to change them. So changing your mindset, changing the situation that you're in to do that, to get there. Because bank loans have limitations on who gets them. And when they, they assign them, they assign the interest rates based on colors, not all banks. But this was a thing, and it still is, right? So understanding that those are some of the hurdles that we're going to have to jump over to show this society that 
we're not going to be held back. Healthcare is another one, right? I've heard stories, not I've never personally been there, but I've heard stories where, where a black woman goes in to give birth and they don't want to give her the medication that she needs so she can have uh, a pain-free birth or a lesser pain birth, pain, painful birth. Right? It's things like these. These are things that we need to work on to make sure that these systems are doing what they need to do. African-Americans, health insurance is more expensive than your typical white person health insurance because there are certain um, diseases that African-Americans are prone to. So because of this, this gives the health companies, health insurance companies reasons to um, quote African-Americans with a higher uh, premium. Right? These, these are some of the things that we need to look at. Our voting system, and in some states, it's so, it's so messed up that it's hard to tell whether or not your vote actually counts for who you want it to go to. And in the current moment, like black people are being used by politicians to, to guarantee their, their um, uh, seat in office. These are things we need to pay attention to and stop being used by these people who are in control of these systems who could care less about how we sleep at night or where we sleep at night or if we eat before we go to bed at night. These are some of the things that we need to look at changing um, as far as systems go. And the education system is another big one, right? You go to certain schools and certain communities, um, black kids are being told that they're, they're never going to be anything. So the amount of attention that they get in school is far less than that. They'll get that, that is far less than what they'll get from the, the next white kid sitting next to them, right? Uh, the schools in some of those communities and some uh, predominantly black communities are just underfunded. Teachers are underpaid. The schools undersupply, uh, undersupplied. It, it's just really terrible. And these are the things that, that we're not seeing because we're distracted by um, a criminal who gets killed because he was breaking the law. And we're trying to scream justice for that. I think justice was done. My opinion. So I think if we really want to tackle the issue of inequality and racism, this is where we need to be focusing our energy on reforms, on getting bills passed that are going to actually help our, our society, our race, as a whole and our society together, right? We're slowly educating um, white people of today's society on racism and some of the systems that were put in place, but I don't think that we're, we're doing it in a way where it's actually getting because there's so many noises that's happening around the information. It's being drowned out. So, I digress. Racism and inequality and inequality exists. But I believe it exists not in the way it's being portrayed on your tell-lie vision or your Insta book, but 
it's happening in places where you are too distracted to see it. And as a community, our care for each other is so low that even if one of us finds out, it'll be long before the next person does. So I think there's a lot of things that we need to work on internally as a community to, that's going to bring us closer together so we could be stronger as a community to go and attack the systems that's actually truly keeping our race down. This has been another episode of Talking With Myself with your host, Fabian. And until we meet again, stay true, be yourself, and don't go quietly into that gentle night.